0: Hello there, world! Welcome to The Book Drop Mic, brought to you by Ink Veins, your source for book publicity, promo, and press releases. This is, of course, your host, Jason Wright. And listen, if you have followed me, you know that I love Christmas books. I have loved reading Christmas books my entire life. I have loved listening to just the perfect Christmas story, whether it's the original Christmas story or any just beautiful Christmas story during the holidays. Since I was very, very young, and I've written a few Christmas books myself, but I particularly love children's picture books wrapped around this holiday. So when I heard about the book that we are discussing today, I was giddy. I'm I'm so excited, honored to welcome to the book drop mic, Bruce Lindsay. Hey, Bruce. Hey, Jason. Thank you very much. It is. Uh, we were just saying before we started recording, we're on Zoom, so I get to look at you, and it's like I'm looking at my television when I lived back in Pleasant Grove all those years ago. How how is retirement treating you, Bruce Lindsay? I highly recommend it. I mean, not
1: for you immediately, but it, it, life life is good. Every day is good, Jason. It's a it's a delight to be able to have a little extra time to do things. Uh, actually, that's the reason. I got involved in this book. I had a little extra time, something that had been knocking around in my mind for years. And so um, it's liberating. Thank you. Life is good.
0: Good. Well, you deserve to feel that way. By golly, you spent how, how many years were you on on television? Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, 37, mm. I think is the correct count. That's oh. enough. Oh. <laughs> and was that all in KSL?
1: No, no, that was uh, mostly KSL. I spent a couple of years in Los Angeles little time in Las Vegas, just getting started out, but yeah, pretty much uh, Salt Lake city was the most of the time.
0: Well, certainly uh, we have a lot of listeners out West who will recognize uh, you by the the thumbnail that we'll put up um, for this episode, recognize your handsome face and your voice of course rings so familiar in my ears from years of watching you on the news. Tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about, about who Bruce Lindsay really is. How did you end up number one on camera? And then what was the, what was sort of the deciding factor to say, you know what, this has been an an incredible run. I think I'm ready to step away and do some other things.
1: Okay. To your first question, it just rings a bell that I hadn't put together before, Jason. But actually, the reason I wound up on camera is a Christmas story. And I, I have put that together until this very moment. When I was, in grade school, I think I was in uh second or third grade. There was in the school newspaper, Plymouth School News, we had it we had the Christmas edition of the Plymouth School News, and that's as a second grader, I offered my first Christmas story that I wrote. And it was pretty much a retelling of the nativity. And it was a pretty star because I couldn't spell beautiful. And uh, But there was a girl who was a couple of years ahead of me. In fact, I remember her name, but out of respect on a podcast, I'll keep it to myself. She was older and wiser by a couple of years. And uh, not a lot of children listen to the podcast, right? I can go ahead and talk about some sensitive issues. Okay. So, so her, her story was why I know there is a Santa Claus. Hmm. And she knew there was a Santa Claus because the night on Christmas Eve, her parents were away and she went through the entire house, the closets, the cellar everywhere. And she scoured the place and there was no evidence of, you know, any of Santa's swag that was going to show up, but there it was the next day. And so she knew there was a Santa Claus. Well, I had an inquiring mind, even in the second grade. And that's, you know, that appealed to the scientific method. Let's go give it the test. And so, I found myself home alone and did the same experience, the same experiment she did. And I had a very different result, Jason. I found everything. Oh, no. But what I found was the my greatest wish, my fondest wish, my most memorable Christmas gift from Santa. It was an eight millimeter wind-up brownie movie camera with film. Oh. You know what film was? I mean, oh, film wow. predates you. But uh, that was... Uh, that just really geeked me out, and I became the neighborhood chronicler of inconsequential stuff on my wind-up movie camera. And that progressed into kind of a hobby, and later bought a better camera and a sound projector and learned how to edit film, not video, but mm-hmm. film to tell stories. And so by the time I was in high school, uh, for a number of reasons, including the fact that broadcast journalism didn't seem to entail a lot of math, <laughs> I, but, uh, I was better I at words and pictures and telling stories with pictures. So uh, it was kind of a natural. I, and, and television news was in its, in its, almost its adolescence. It was just coming of age. Um, and I was very enamored with that. So it was a natural fit and it was a good fit for me. It played to my strengths and kind of helped me minimize <laughs> my weaknesses. And so I felt like it, it, it was a good fit. That's kind of how it happened as a result of that Christmas present and that Terrible, wonderful discovery.
0: <laughs> I, I love that. How old do you think you would have been then, did you say? I would have
1: been eight or nine.
0: Okay. Well, so about the same time, I was living in Chicago, Illinois. We had been there a couple of years. I would have been, well, I couldn't have been nine because we'd moved to Charlottesville, Virginia by then. So I was seven or eight. But I had a similar experience where I got up in the middle of the night on Christmas Eve. And I found a bicycle (laughs) for me. It was obviously for me and not one of my siblings. And I I could not believe that Santa had brought me the same bike that I had been asking for. Not something similar, but the same cheap bike I had been asking for. (laughs) And so I was too afraid to get on it, but I pushed it down the hallway of our little ranch home. And back down toward the tree, and my sister told me the next day that when we got up, she she thought something was amiss. The bike the bike had been moved. I guess I had moved some stuff out of the way, but um, I did not become, as a result of that, a professional um, racer or ever a <laughs> pro or anything. I don't have quite the same kind of anchor experience there, but I do love that. I can just picture you back then again. For those of you listening who are not as old as we are. Um, where we actually had these things that were called actual cameras with, with real film inside. And I, I remember being at BYU years ago and, and watching an actual film that, um, some students had done being edited and just spliced and cut and spliced and cut and literal pieces of film falling to the floor and learning what that meant. You know, the scenes that end up on the cutting room floor, boy, things have changed just a little bit, huh?
1: They have. You only had one chance on that edit. I mean, when you tore the film with your bare hands using the sprocket hole, it's the start. It yeah. was torn. It was done. That was your edit, right?
0: That was it. Yeah, that was it. Uh, so, OK, so now we get to um, so you retire about a decade ago, about a decade ago. Yeah. And you're doing what you're doing, some consulting, some writing, some speaking
1: well, uh, I thought of doing all of that, and and I had well, I had served notice uh, that I was retiring mm-hmm. uh, about uh, a year. Well, I wanted to give the station notice after 37 years. You know, you owe them a little notice, and you work on contracts and five year contracts. And so we had a very friendly, amicable discussion that this has been a great run for me, and I'll be 62, and I think that'd be great time for me to move on and do something else. So so that was all prearranged. Then I was invited um, uh, with my wife uh, and our son to uh, do some church service uh, out of the country for three years. And Mm -hmm. so that was an abrupt uh, transition. And um, post that, there was some uh, reacclimation into uh, civilian life. Mm -hmm. And uh, did a little consulting, uh, found out that the world had kind of moved on in terms of – the digital world. And yeah. so we, found, we made a little contribution there. And then we've enjoyed, I have grandchildren, we travel, we, uh, you know, write once in a while and life has been good. And so that's kind of my story.
0: So then how do we get to the, the day when you sit either with your wife or your family, or perhaps you had a connection already with, with Shadow Mountain, with the publisher and this, this notion of the Christmas list of Richard Lindsay, Comes to mind this this brand new children's picture book, which, of course, we will have links to uh, where folks can find it in the show notes.
1: Well, actually, it started long before that, um, probably, Jason, a good 25 years ago, because the the kernel for this story is a, a series of events that really happened that I was familiar with. I heard about uh, many, many, many times in the course of my life. And at least 25 years ago, I looked on my computer files. It was about 25 years ago. I once started gathering string and trying to write some, um, you know, a rough draft of a, a Christmas story. And it never really had time to focus on it or polish it, nor did I really know what it was I wanted to say. But it was uh, two years ago, roughly, uh, a little more than that. I was sitting where I'm sitting now. I'm in a vacation home uh, and was sitting in this chair. And, you know, I really want to do I, I really want to put this together. There's something I want to say. And I discovered the message that I really wanted to share. So I wrote a draft and another, you're a a writer, you know how this works. You don't just write it and hand it in, right? You go over and over and over and over and and got it to where I thought, well, so I'm willing to share this with somebody else. And so I wrote my first ever submission letter uh, to publishers and I sent it off, sent it to Shadow Mm -hmm. Mountain. Their website didn't have any connections. Their website said, Give us six weeks or whatever it was here. And six weeks went by and 12 weeks went by and, you know, months went by. <laughs> well, we'll send, we'll keep sending this to some others. And then out of the blue, I got a phone call. Mm-hmm. Uh, it had been, I don't know, five or six months. They said, we're really interested in your book. I'd like to think about publishing it a year from Christmas. Mm-hmm. So it, it took a while. Um, but the best part is in the interim, they signed up Dan Burr to be the illustrator. Mm-hmm. And more than half of a wonderful illustrative Christmas book is the illustrations. Mm-hmm. And last week, my wife and I had the privilege of going to Idaho and meeting with Dan for the first time. we would met him on Zoom. We've done a lot of you know back and forth consulting and through the art director. But what a gifted artist. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the purpose of a children's Christmas book in my humble opinion, now being a granddad, you know, is to sit down with a child next to you or in your arms if, you know, it's a close enough child and read a Christmas book aloud. And this was the favorite tradition in the Lindsay home for years and years and years. And we have stacks of Christmas picture books. We got one, you know, every year and we're old. So that's a lot of picture books. And on an open stairway that comes up from our kitchen, uh, my wife stacks these uh, and on the, between the balusters, up all the steps as part of the bringing out Christmas mm, I and, love even, that. and whether whether the children are home or grandchildren are home even now, to me it just means the world to sit down with there's some really good there's some stinkers, but there's some really, really good Christmas books that are just a delight to take a few minutes and to share. And I, I wrote this specifically to be read aloud. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are elements that make that possible and make that uh, desirable. As a news writer, our training was to be accessible in our news copy, not to use great big polysyllabic words. You know, we don't say dumb it down, but just make it accessible. And so there aren't any great big words in this story. And it took me a long time to boil that down. I see Shadow Mountain said this uh, is suitable for four to Ages four to eight, which I hope is not off-putting. That means that means you know, at a reading level, you can absorb that. But there are levels of meaning I think in this book that grow over time. That somebody even as old as you, Jason, can say, "Oh, there's an insight. That's a that's a gem. That's something that I can take away uh, for Christmas." And let's face it, um, Christmas brings out the inner child in all of us, unless we are Ebenezer Scrooge, and then even he came around. So um, yeah. I, I, I like you. I love picture books for christmas
0: yeah well said and and i could not agree more A the perfect children's book um it's it's got to convey read aloud you just have you have to be able to sit on their bed um or by the fire or in the living room or wherever you are and read it and have that uh have that child glued to the illustrations and just just sort of listening i I do love a I love a good read aloud. So the illustrations in the book by neighbor are phenomenal. I noticed it. it my wife and I both noticed as we read through it, the illustrations um, pull you in as if you are there. And that's really, really hard to do in a children's picture book. And as you said, not not all of them do it really well. We're being polite. Some are not as great as others. Sure. But this is so. Um, It's the colors, the setting, the lighting, even on the illustrations, it it pulls you in and you feel like you are the silent participant to the scenes as they unfold.
1: I was delighted in what he did. And another kind of a gem, some Easter eggs he hid in there for me. Uh, I sent down a lot of visual material to say, since this is based on a, a series of real events and real people. Send photographs, uh, pictures, photographs from this, this. This is a story from 90 years ago this Christmas. That sounds like a long time ago. Yeah.
0: 1933.
1: And so it shows real places that are, are no longer. I'm old enough to remember them, <laughs> but they're gone now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've had a lot of really interesting reaction in the last few weeks since the book's been published. People I didn't know who were who from the same areas. Oh, I recognize that school. Oh, I recognize the store. Uh it, Dan just did a wonderful job capturing not only a time period, but the actual ethos of where mm-hmm. these real events took place.
0: Yeah, the art the art is beautiful. Um, I I wonder, did you when you wrote this and you submitted it and you you waited those long, long weeks to hear back? I know exactly what that is like, by the way. <laughs> did you allow yourself to imagine how special that would be to walk into a bookstore, which I'm sure you've now done and to physically see the book on a shelf, on a Christmas table or under the new arrivals. I mean, did you allow yourself to imagine what that might actually feel like?
1: Hmm. Actually, I haven't been in the bookstore yet to see it, but I've had to... <laughs> others. Are saying...
0: You better get into the bookstore. Really?
1: No, but, but, but I'll tell you this. When, when I received my first copy of the book, uh, I had that experience. I guess that you're alluding to that is like, oh my word! This is uh, this is a fulfillment of not only time and work, but uh, a lot of emotional investment. And you look at it, it's kind of like a newborn baby. Yeah. You know, what part looks like me, and what part looks like her? And you know, and what what did the artists contribute? And, and it's 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 a wonderful thing. It's a pretty heady experience. I guess that's why you keep writing books, huh?
0: It is. It is a heady experience, and it is why I keep writing. And it never gets old. Every I just opened a couple of weeks ago and saw the my Christmas book with Jenny Oaks Baker. Which, if you go back to the show notes, folks, you can find the episode of Jenny and I discussing that. And I had the same experience. I think that's book eighteen or nineteen. And opening the box with my wife and pulling it out and seeing it for the first time. It, that's. It is a heady experience. And you know, for you, I'll say. And and I remember someone, another writer, explained this to me when my first book came out and And asking me, how does it feel to know that, yes, your family will buy it and read it, and your friends will buy it and read it, and maybe folks from your congregation will buy it and read it. and you know them, and you've been in their home, and you maybe even know where the book will sit on their bookshelf or on their mantle. But you don't know all of the people, thousands of people around the country, maybe even around the world, who you'll never meet. You don't know their names, and they only know you because they got an Amazon recommendation or a Barnes & Noble recommendation, or whatever recommendation, they picked the book up and they took it home. And now it means something to them. And in this case, as a a children's Christmas book, it means something extra special to them. And for years, this book will become, for that family in Idaho or California or New York or Canada, a part of their tradition. And you don't even know who they are. And you'll never meet them. And you'll never get to thank them. And that, for me, knowing that there would be thousands of people with something I created that would become a part of them. Well, talk about a heady feeling for sure.
1: Well, it's rewarding. And you hope that it gives a contribution because if you had a good book and there are lots of good books and you've had a child and you've had a Christmas tree or a fire and you've read the story, a story, you know how wonderful that is. So yeah, it's good.
0: So um, before we ask you what's next, um, I just have to ask the elevator pitch. You know what the elevator pitch is. You've been in the business a long time. So you've you've got somebody in the elevator. I always worked on the first floor,
1: but go ahead. We'll try. <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right. Well, you've been called up to the boss's office for 30 seconds. What, what is the, and again, all of this will be in the show notes, but what is the 30 second pitch for this book? What is, what is it really about at its core?
1: Okay. At its core, this book is not about the hardship, although there's hardship. At its core, this book is not about any special present, although there are presents. At its core, this book is about an amazing Christmas gift that I hope people will celebrate. And that is the gift that's hiding in plain sight. And that is the gift of people to love. And that, for the character in the book, and I hope for the reader is a very satisfying discovery that Christmas is filled with joy, not because of anything you give or you get, but look around you at the people you're blessed with to love.
0: Amen, amen, and amen. There's our soundbite for the interview. That's perfect. What a uh it's hard sometimes to talk about our own books and in particular to do it in a in that little elevator pitch, but that makes me want to uh, to end this interview abruptly and go home and reread it again. You're, you're so right. It's, um, it's about the love, the love, the love that we give, the love that we share, the love that we're not just willing to give, but to receive uh, very well said. Well, before we say goodbye, tell us, tell us what's next. I mean, you've got one under your belt. Are there more books to come? What, what sort of things do you see in your future?
1: Well, uh, Along A dozen, you know, 15 years ago, I produced another book, which was a kind of an anthology of short stories uh, set in a delightful town uh, that's uh, barely fictitious uh, uh, in the out west here. And um, it was based on. Uh, hometown newspapers. I, I was a fan of those hometown weekly newspapers mm-hmm. that told who went on a trip and who had so-and-so for Sunday dinner and, you know, who went to the doctor and what for if they'll tell you. And, and it was a little expose of the story behind the stories in all those hometown newspapers. It was a very lighthearted thing. Mm-hmm. had a lot of fun with that. And in the last 15 years, most of those hometown weekly newspapers have... um not done well in the digital age, <laughs> and, you know, and I, I, I'm i feeling it's time to kind of revisit uh, Party Grove uh, and see how things are going in the absence of the newspaper. Um, mm-hmm. So that's that's in the back of my mind, something I'm with.
0: I like that. I like that. Well, between spending time with your your family and your faith and those grandkids, I'm sure you love very much. I, for one, hope that you do find time. Uh, to to revisit that um, I'd love to have you let's let's have you back on the show sometime and let's talk about whatever the next project is and folks um, go go pick this book up buy a copy for yourself buy a copy or 10 or 20 or 30 for your neighbors people you go to church with people that you minister to and love um, and don't just give the book but more importantly give a little bit of yourself give give a little bit of love for Christmas thank you Bruce you're the best thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Jason. I'm very grateful. Merry Christmas to you when it comes
1: around.